Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to The Mountain Gardener. This is your host, Ken Lane. We're here every week talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona, and we are actively growing. This The plants are just filling in, looking good. Fruits are coming off, so I got my first tomatoes coming off now, so we're enjoying those in some salads. Uh, the, the Swiss chard has been coming off like crazy. Herbs, we have fresh herbs. I had cilantro and basil this week. Uh, uh, lavender are, are in full bloom. The, the sages are just ready to harvest. We are into the season right now, and it's only going to get better. So right now, June is the most difficult month to garden in the mountains of Arizona. The reason being, it's dry, it's hot, and it's just it's just dry and hot. And there's a prevailing southwest wind that comes. And so those three things make it difficult for the new foliage, new flowers, new fruits, new vegetables coming out. It just there's less room for error. We'll have a season. It's, it's coming. You can see it right on the border of New Mexico right now. It's called the monsoon season. For those of you that are new to Arizona, this is a unique thing that happens in the southwest. Uh, we get this summer rain pattern that comes up our way, and it'll, it'll rain typically in the afternoons. And if it doesn't, at least it's cloudy and the humidity goes up. This typically happens around July 4th, and you'll find that your plants kind of, they just kind of, they take a break in June. They just, they're, they're surviving. They're not actively growing. They're just they're looking good. They're filling in. They're rooting out. But when July comes, those rains happen. Oh, those plants just take off. Uh, the, the evergreens, junipers and cypress, your deed or cedars, they just elongate. You'll double the amount of size. Maples will just start to grow. Yeah, you've grown 18 inches so far. They'll grow another 18 inches as soon as the rains come. Sycamores oak trees. You can just go on and on and on. And so it's almost like a second planting season that we have during the summer season. And you wouldn't think that. Those of you from the deserts, you're going, oh, that doesn't even make sense. We just hibernate. We don't do it. We go inside where the air conditioning is. We don't come out for for two months because it's just too hot. Well, up in the mountains, it's not too hot. It's really nice. Oh, no, we were suffering in 92-degree weather. It was so terrible. But then in the evening, it just cools right down to you know 65. It's perfect. It's why we live up here at God's level. This is where we can see the sunsets and sunrises better than any desert dreamed of seeing. The Midwest folks, yeah, you get humid. I mean, our, our kids are in, in the south. Oh, talk about oppressive heat. It's 92 degrees and 92% humidity. It's horrible. You go outside, you start thinking outside thoughts, you start sweating, but not up here. And so we're going to come into this rain pattern that happens. And there's a few things you really need to do to set your gardens up for the coming growing season that's going to happen. First of all, it's summer. And, you know, it's officially summer now. We've been a week into summer. You can still plant. This is a curse we have from the, uh, the deserts. They're going, oh, it's hot. I can't plant anymore. Right? No, what do you, where'd you get that from? What, 
What news source are you reading? Well, I was tuned into Phoenix, uh, KTAR. They told me I couldn't plant anymore. Well, when they're talking about citrus and palm trees, yeah. Well, you, you can't plant down there. It's too hot. But up here, it's 80s, 90. What is it in Flagstaff today? 88, 89? It's perfect. It's great weather. It's almost better than the spring season. Because the soils are warm. You'll plant something now, and as long as you don't plant a, a plant in a dry hole, you're good. So your plants will start rooting out immediately. When you have trouble is when you start taking a dry plant, you put it in a dry hole, you give it a spit of water, you go, oh, go and thrive. No. What I do in my own, when I'm planting, and I'm still planting, I'll dig my hole. I've got my plant there. I water my plant that I'm going to plant, tree, a shrub, a rose an herb. It doesn't matter. I'll hydrate it before I start in the pot, in the grower's pot. Then I'll dig my hole. And then by the time I'm ready to backfill, to plant my plant, I'll blend into that native soil some organic mulch. We call it premium mulch. I'm adding that to my native soil for two reasons. One, uh, it keeps the soil from compacting right back down around the root ball. Two, it attracts worms or organic life into the surrounding soil. Many of you have dead dirt. You just don't have anything alive in that dirt. The reason, because it's just, it's just terrible stuff. Well, you start adding organic matter, like mulch, in around that root ball. They just naturally, the mycorrhizal colonies, the, the worms, the beneficials, the nematodes, they start attract to that, and they start to tickle the feet of your plants. They start to, to take off with new growth, new roots under the ground. So those are the main reasons. But before I backfill or I'll blend in about 25% mulch to my native soil, before I take that soil and backfill around my root ball, what I'm doing is I'm going to hydrate the soil, the dirt, that, that planting hole. I want to hydrate that. So it's been dry for a bit. We haven't seen rain in over a month. So I'll fill up that hole halfway with water. I'll just have my hose there. I'll just, I'm, I'm not looking to water the plant. I'm looking to water the planting hole. What I don't want to do is plant a plant, water the plant, and then the, the soil around it is so dry, it starts to suck the water out of the root ball and into the surrounding soil. I don't want my surrounding dirt to take away from the moisture of my, my plant. This is the inside secret to planting well, to having success in the summer summer months before the run before the soil gets rehydrated by all this rain that's going to come and we could have typically four to six inches of rain in july and august each month so we'll get most of our moisture you know july august september for the year so it's a real real opportunity so you it's okay to plant now to, to set the stage for more growth as the summer season hits but don't plant a plant in dry crusty gross just dry as a bone kind of hole. You want to rehydrate the soil around the plant before you put the plant in it. In fact, many times I'll set my root ball down in that planting hole while it's kind of soggy. Then I'll backfill around that with my mulch native soil blend, and I'll pack it down really well. Sometimes that 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 moisture is kind of oozing up towards up up out of the ground and into the surrounding soil, and you can just see it's it's hydrating. You really want to. Hydrate that surrounding soil first. Then I will go ahead and water my plant at that point. I'll add another two, three inches in the water basin or my drip emitter is going to go. I'll add some more moisture. And at the very, very end, 
I'll have a bucket, a two-gallon watering can, right beside the grant, my, my planting hole. It's been pre-mixed with root and grow and water. Typically, I'll give a tree and a shrub about two gallons of root and grow stimulant. It's a transplant shock, uh, uh, rooting liquid. It's, a, it's actually what it is. It's compost tea that I created years ago. And this composted tea helps to stabilize and calm plants. This is like open heart surgery. It's like open heart surgery and brain surgery at the same time. When you take this, this plant out of this grower's bucket, this is the only life it's ever known, and you're throwing it into your ground, and it might be dry as a bone, and you want it to grow and be happy, yeah, it's going to go into some shock. Well, this root and grow helps it to stabilize. But this is the very last thing. At the very end, that's what I give it. And then I'll give it that root and grow about oh, every couple of weeks till I can see the plant stabilize, starting to grow. And I'm going, oh, whoa, look at all that new foliage. Oh, new flowers. That's exciting. Then I know, okay, you're happy. Go and, and root out and be free. Bloom some more for me. And I don't give it any more of the root and grow. At that point, I'm letting my fertilizers, I'll actually sprinkle some all-purpose plant food around that, but that's the long-term fix, the long-term food for new plantings, for any plantings. Uh, but the root and grow is what actually stabilizes the plant and allows it to start rooting out into that new hydrated soil, hopefully. Okay, we've got a lot in store for you. I've got Lisa Waters Lane coming into the studio with the garden questions. Uh, sounds like we got a lot going on at the garden center, but we'll get her take and her, your neighbor's questions right after this. Don't change that dial. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters Garden Companion Plants for July are hibiscus, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and sensation maples. Sensation maples grow fast. The spring leaves erupt with soft reds that quickly mature to a refreshing green for summer-long shade. Autumn, it unleashes a brilliant display of red leaves. Where this maple really shines is in the areas with challenging garden soils. The picture-perfect tree to line driveways or shade a patio. You'll only find sensation maples here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Some things are just better together. July is the best time to fertilize with all-purpose plant food from Waters. But pair the all-purpose with humic acid and it's a one-two punch of garden power. Humic acid gives your soil organic matter that helps plants' roots receive water and nutrients. So it makes fertilizer work even better. Like salt and pepper. Coffee and donuts. And hey, you and me. Aw, thanks Ken. All-purpose plant food and humic acid, better together and only at Waters Garden Center. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener. Green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. Uh, She comes each week and just shares your garden questions. What are your neighbors talking about? And so she and I have been out uh, on the mountain lakes, enjoying a tan. <laughs> the mountain lakes? Lake, lake Powell, <laughs> the mountain lake. I mean, Prescott's the city of five lakes. Yeah. That's what we're famous for, but they're... I guess I don't think of that as a mountain lake. It's high altitude. I think Lake Powell is at 4,000 feet or something yeah, like that. It's pretty high right. altitude. Yeah. Whereas uh, some of the other desert varieties, those are 
truly lowland. <laughs> Those are also crazy hot. So yeah, Pal wasn't exactly. Uh, it was a, Cold about a hundred or so. Yeah, yeah. it was toasty. Uh, the uh, for those of you that have been up there, you know, houseboats. It's basically the Grand Canyon that you can cruise through in a boat. It's amazing. Water levels twelve feet above the low point for the year. Mm-hmm. It was still rising as we were there, so snow belts still happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Antelope Marina was closed yeah. until July seventh, something yeah. like that. July seventh. They reopen, and so all the pressure was on Wawi, which is our marina. It's the lesser of the two. Antelope's glorious. It's a beautiful <laughs> marina, and ours is it's just us. So yeah. it's people from here that goes up and go boating. But the pressure, all those people in one marina, it was a bit crazy. It so, was. But still exciting. Very, very busy. Lots of chop in the water because of all the boats. It was insane. Then trying to go through the cut. Oh, my goodness. It was a little bit rough. So lots of boats out. Yeah. The grandkids could visit. And so they, grandkids yeah. and boating. It was fun. It just kind of goes together. Went out mm-hmm. on a beach and just kind of put up the t- pop-up tent and mm-hmm. have lunch and have floaties out there. It just, it's man, I feel relaxed. Read four books. I never read books. <laughs> four of them done. It's kind of nice. I read one. <laughs> yeah. But, well, yeah. So garden questions, though, this is not about our lake trip, although I'm still kind of at half pace for some reason. My brain is... Slowly (laughs) coming back from lake life. There isn't always tomorrow. You've got a deadline to do today. So uh, anyway, but it's coming back online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, we do have questions. Gardening continued on. Even when we were gone, there was still gardening. (laughs) Well, Maddie would like to know. She's got a situation. Her maintenance crew... Cut back her hedge of junipers way back Uh so that there's a lot of wood showing. She wants to know, are they going to come back? And if so, how can she help them? So I don't know if they'll come back. Sometimes they get woody like that and they stay that way. There's no recovery, especially really old, gnarly, that old gnarly with big bark and stuff. What happens is with trees, when they form a, a thick layer of bark, New leaf nodes can't get through that bark. It also keeps the cold out. It keeps the insects out. It's a very protective layer. Mm-hmm. And so once it gets cut back to that level, it, it's very, it's highly unlikely new buds won't come up. So, But I would give it time because you don't know truly right. until you help it. You do your gardener thing and you nurture these plants back and you'll know by the end of the year, I love this, it, it worked, or... I just hate what these gardeners did to this. I want these things out of here. At that point, you tie them to a bumper and a chain and you rip them out. What you do now, everyone, this is for everyone, you should be fertilizing your landscape immediately. Now through July 4th, you've got an opportunity to set the stage for the monsoon rains that are coming. And they always come. Go on. It seems dry. I'm hot. I'm not. I'm outdoors. There's no rain coming. Everyone says that every year, and the rains always come. It's what the forest needs. Northern Arizona especially draws this moisture up from the tropics of Mexico, and it just will come. The question is how much rain. So when that happens, sometime in July, uh, the monsoons ignite another growing, another garden season, really. So... Uh, you can get a whole other set of foliage on your 
shade trees. You can get more roses. You can get more perennial. You deadhead the flowers, fertilize them. They start to bloom again. It's a whole other growing season. It's a great time to be planting new shrubs and trees in the yard because the humidity goes up. The soil is warm. Things take off for you. Well, if you know this about our natural cycles, everyone should be fertilizing. And I suggest the 744 all-purpose plant food, but especially for the junipers that we're talking about here. So Maggie needs to fertilize those entire hedgerow, however big that is, and then pray for rain. You'll know immediately, probably within two months, six weeks, if that thing is going to flush out. So, so the green growth she has, or blue growth, whatever color junipers those are, it, you'll start to see new growth coming out of that. What we want, though, are the buds at the top of that, where all those woody cuts are. We want that to start growing, to fill in, to cover up. And you'll know within six, eight weeks whether you're going to be happy with that or not. If by the end of August, September, you still really don't like what this hedgerow of old plants that they tried to recover, uh, then pull them out. Replant you know, for 20 bucks. You can have a brand new shrub out there, but put 10 of them in. You get 200 bucks, fresh, new, 100-foot row of, of hedge that'll last you for another 20, 30 years. Sometimes plants do get old and they need to be replanted. So for our yard, we try to add 10% new plants every year into our landscape. So we're purposely pulling out old Russian sage to put a new Russian sage or something new in. We're gardeners. We like something new in. So to have a loss or to have to replace something, this is not a permanent landscape. Your landscape, these are living, breathing things that you need to reset, remodel. You wouldn't live with a kitchen for 30 years, would you? <laughs> well, why would you live with an old hedgerow of junipers for 30 years? Good point. So it's okay to, I'm giving you permission to dig some of those out and, and replace them. It's not that difficult. The irrigation's probably already there. Just replace them, but give it time. Fertilize it now. Wait a couple months. See how it grows. And it will grow. If you fertilize them with, with the Summer rains, it will grow, especially junipers. And then if you like them, keep them. If you don't, replace them. There you go. That's what I would do. Okay. Good answer, I think. I think. Too long, yeah, <laughs> as usual. Well, yeah. Boy, you sure chewed up some time there. Well, Andrew wants to put in some ornamental grasses into his landscape. He wants to know how much they typically need watering. Is it a lot of watering, little watering? And any varieties you would recommend other than pampas grass? <laughs> so pampas is the big boy. That's the 10 foot by 10 foot by or Forever. bigger yeah. grass. It's just a monster. It's it's too big for most landscapes. Mm -hmm. But all the other grasses uh, are, are, much, are, are a third that size. Of course, the most famous of all of them is bear grass that grows wild here. Mm -hmm. It's an evergreen starting to bloom white. Uh, so it kind of looks like a yucca, not really a grass. So if you really want a soft grass, mm -hmm. then there's so many choices. Maybe you can help me out with this because there's just oh. so many we have here. Gosh, we actually have quite a few nice grasses. We've got a lot of the variegated overdams. Yeah. Uh, we've got some Carl Foresters and Mooley grass. Uh, we've got some sedges. Sedge, yep. And People don't know what those are. <laughs> but sedge is, it's a grass. It looks like it a looks grass. It looks just like a grass. Yeah. Uh, we have mondo grass for shady areas. We have um, oh blue fescue, 
I mean, there's a lot, various heights with different color plumes on them. Um, All the ones you just mentioned are no taller than hip high mm -hmm. and shorter and very easy to maintain. And grasses just naturally, they naturalize here. They just do really well here. Mm -hmm. Of course, you've got all those valley areas uh, from Camp Verde, Cottonwood to Prescott Valley, Chino Valley, Paulden. They're all naturally where grasses just love to grow. They take the wind. They love that heavy soil. So how are they on water? That was the original part of the question. Put them on a drip system and treat them like a tree or a shrub. I wouldn't overwater them. Mm -hmm. In fact, you'll be prone to overwater. So treat them just like a tree or a shrub or a rose or a lilac. They'll do just the same. And out of all those you mentioned, one you left out, I love the zebra grass. Oh, yeah, that is The striped, it's a green blade. Yeah. About three feet, it's got a stripe on it. Mm-hmm. Very tough, very pretty. Is that the one uh, with the horizontal stripe? Yeah, okay. horizontal stripe in yeah. it. So that's one. Come to the garden center. You need to visit your garden center. And then one of the grasses will call to you. But just go with that one. It'll do just as well. All right, great questions this week. Ken and Lisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners. We'll be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters Garden Companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. I hate weeds. Monsoon rains are so refreshing, even my landscape comes alive. But so do my weeds. Stop weeds in their track in one simple step. Waters Weed and Grass Stopper spreads like fertilizer. It kills weed seed before monsoon rains allow them to sprout. No need to weed. It's safe for trees, even flower beds, and so much safer than that toxic waste the big box sells. Weed and Grass Stopper, it's just $24 and only found at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Lisa and I went away, as we mentioned, for a week, went up on Lake Powell, and just hung out with family, relaxed, no agenda. I didn't even wear a watch, which I live by time frames deadlines. It's just, it's just business. You business folks, you, you know what that's all about. Um, it's nice to unplug and just decompress and spend time with family, grandkids, swim in the afternoon. It was just very, very nice. We came back um, and the gardens look as good as ever. They looked really good. They were exciting. They were, they were all new blooms. Before I left, here's what I did because I knew I had a week of of not caring for things. So I went through and I cleaned things up. I deadheaded. In other words, I took the old flowers, spent flowers, and I picked those off. I either took snippers or I just plucked them right off. Cleaned things up. And then I fertilized with flower power. This is a liquid flower. It's a food just for flowers. And it's mainly phosphorus with some boron, iron, 
magnesium, things that make make flowers really grow. It's also good for fruits, for tomatoes and peppers. It's just anything that fruits and blooms, it really brings out the most of those plants. But many of your perennials, many of your annuals, they've been blooming like crazy two months or more. If you'll take those old flowers off, the old spent flowers, for like petunias, shake them. You'll see you'll see spent flowers uh, to kind of fly in every direction. Uh, for geraniums, you take all that old dead flower off. For whatever it is, deadhead it, fertilize it, and within just a few days, uh, these plants will just start going crazy. They will just start setting new flowers. What's happening is, as a flower, as a plant grows, it wants to reproduce. That's its main purpose in life, reproduce. Don't have just me. I want me and lots of kids out there. And so they'll start forming seed. Well, if that flower is left on there, it will, it will focus all of its energy on seed, only seed. It will stop blooming, only focus on seed. And so you really want to take those old spent flowers off of your perennials, off of your annuals, so the plant goes, oh, no. I just lost my ability to, to reproduce. I, I, I've got to focus on planting more seed. What do I need for more seed? Oh, more flowers. Form more flowers. Put flowers out so I can have more seed. And this is how a, a flowering plant goes through life. If you'll deadhead those, most of your mountain flowering plants will rebloom over and they'll pulsate. So galardias, they'll pulsate flowers after flower after flower. That's why you also put... You deadhead your roses. Take those old spent flowers off so it doesn't form a rose hip. And inside the rose hip are seed. And so it's wanting to reseed itself. Don't let it do that. Take those old flowers, snip them off, fertilize it, and it will just start taking off with new blossoms. New new flowers will come out within a, a couple weeks. And that's what happened. I did that right before we left on vacation. Cleaned them up, tr trimmed things up. Uh, so they looked a little rough when I left, but I knew that a week later they would look fantastic. And they did. I guess while I'm on that, something else I noticed on my flowers, mainly geraniums and my petunias. I went ahead and treated my calipricoas or million bell petunias. That's the smaller type of petunias just because I knew it was going to come that way anyway. But I noticed that budworms were on my flowers and they seemed to focus on my really purple and pink petunias and my red geraniums. It's probably not the color. It's just probably where they were planted. A little white moth lays her eggs on the flowers. And the larva stage is a tiny green caterpillar, less than an inch long, that loves to eat nothing but flowers. And so they were on my flowers. And so I was getting plants that were all green, no flowers. So I went, oh, okay, I know what that is. That's budworm little caterpillar. I sprayed the plant with BT, B's and boy, T's and Tom. It's a spray we have. It's organic. Sprayed it on my flowers, fertilized them with the flower power. And when I came back, they were just covered in flower. I mean, just one week covered in flowers. It was ridiculous. I mean, it was fun. It was stimulating. It was garden-esque. It was, it was great. It's what I wanted. But if your flowers have stopped to bloom, or if you look at a flower and it's got part of the part of the petal is gone, there's only one thing that does that. It's a little green caterpillar. You're going, I don't see any caterpillars on my my plants. It can't be. Well, they're camouflaged. In fact, they take on the color of whatever flower they're eating. So they're eating a pink 
petunia, they'll start to turn pink. So they're, they're disguising themselves. They're hiding themselves from birds or praying mantis or other predators. This is their natural defense. And a big old gardener sitting out there where there you know, needs bifocals. There's no way you're going to see them. They're so hard. They're so tiny. The same trick works on tomato worms. It, this is the sphinx moth. This is the, the moth that flies around. It looks like a hummingbird at first. And you go, that's not a hummingbird. That's a moth. That's what lays eggs on your tomatoes and peppers and has this huge green uh, caterpillar. It's ginormous, three, four inches long. I mean, it wants to suck in your jugular vein after it's done eating your tomato. It's crazy. Well, tomato worms take on the same color. They're hard to see, but you'll see the foliage leaving. Uh, so you'll see just dis disappearing, or you'll see little turds, little, literally, poop droplets from the caterpillar that have eaten your 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 plants. BT is the solution, organic solution for killing all caterpillars. It works really well, and this is when they show up. They're showing up in my garden. I'm sure they're going to show up in yours as well. And now you know the solution. Very inexpensive stuff. Very easy to use. But you need to get on it before all of your flowers and vegetables are gone. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. In a new place, it's difficult to know who to trust, how to get help at the house, and which nursery will simply do what they say they'll do. At Waters Garden Center, we're here to help, in the landscape at least. Our team of plant ambassadors know your neighborhood, the plants that add color, increase privacy, and add fragrance and beauty. And we can show you exactly how to plant locally, or we have teams to do all the work for you. We are Ken and Lisa Lane, and we guarantee our plants will live up to every promise here at Waters Garden Center. Waters Garden Companion Plants for July are Maple, Verbena, Crepe Myrtle, and Rose of Sharon Hibiscus. Rose of Sharon is a mountain-hardy hibiscus with anemone-like blooms. Each stem of this hardy hibiscus is packed with buds. She makes a beautiful informal hedge or screen and is easily trained into small trees. Available Prescott colors show in blue, purple, white, red, and pink for years of enjoyment. You'll find breathtaking hibiscus here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road in Prescott. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane. She comes each week and this garden segment is all about her. And mainly so you don't have to listen to me straight for 60 minutes of airtime, uh, I find that uh, Lisa is much more interesting than I am in but, my own head. You could easily do 60 minutes all by yourself. <laughs> I do like to talk. <laughs> my mother gave me a Mr. Microphone when I was a kid. Why do I have that voice? Where'd that come I from? I have no idea. That's Mr. T or something. <laughs> A-team. <laughs> Great movie, by the way. Oh, I was watching it the other night. That's where it came from. You were pity watching the fool. Mr. Uh, the A-Team, yeah, oh I know. They had a redo of like the 2000. The old one, the new one? No, the newer one. It's ah. like 15 years old. Which is not new, yeah. yeah I've got half the audience now judging me because I'm watching an action <laughs> movie like the A-Team. It's also a series back in the, when was that, 70s, 70s? or early 80s? Yeah. Well, you are aging yourself. <laughs> oh, I know. Oh, my gosh. So the kids are heading back. They hit Austin. Yeah. Um, well, 
Ah, who knows? Today they, they, or? They frequently drive straight through. They're, they're on the road <laughs> heading back to Austin. So our oldest yeah. kids mm-hmm. came to help out the family business. And they are opening up Texas now. So they're heading back to Austin, yeah. Texas, starting a new business, keeping their old one going. They are entrepreneurs. I mean, our oldest daughter married. Surprise, surprise. <laughs> someone just like me. It's it's so much fun to talk. <laughs> so he's putting a business plan together. Yeah. So it's your new, you know, um, cleansing company that mm-hmm. compensates for his other photo booth company that that yeah. compensates for his other company anyway this, they're gonna go places fun oh yeah they're they're both hard workers and they make stuff happen so they they'll be good they'll yeah. be good so this is about you though what what kind of garden information do we got going on out there well so we were on vacation we finally got away which is really nice but one of my favorite things about going away is coming back and seeing what's new in the garden center. Yeah. It's just always fun because there's always new stuff arriving. Yeah. And it's always just fun to look at it and see what we got in. So I was walking through the perennial house and just saw some really cool new stuff in. So I thought I would talk about those. That's because great. it's a great time to put in perennials. It's tremendous. And yeah. the nice thing about perennials is you put them in once and they come back year after year, just bigger and better and um, just really nice to have and Perennial beds, raised beds, wherever you want. Pots even. Once and done is what yeah. I say. So and it's good. The, the, the whole garden center, it was almost like it was a new garden center. They yeah. had three or four trucks I mean, mm-hmm. of, of trees and shrubs and perennials and annuals. Right. Come, even a few vegetables came in. Yeah. I'm going, yeah. wow, I don't remember any of this. Where did this all come from? <laughs> so it's kind of nice when your team you know, can, can run your place oh, yeah. as though you were there, as though it's theirs. Yeah. You come back and it's still humming along. It's just yeah. fun to watch that. It was that. beautiful. We got yeah. a bunch of new roses in too, which I didn't even stop to look at the different varieties, but really pretty colors. So got to check those out as well. But in the perennial side, one of the things that really caught my eye was um, the, oh, I always pronounce it wrong, the botanical nophia. Or, kofia? Uh, kofia? I thought it was nophia. Oh. I, I don't know. A, I always said K or N. But there's probably both. There's, I don't know. <laughs> Continue on. Well, it's Red Hot Poker oh, yeah. is the common name. But they've come out with what they call the Popsicle series of that, which is actually more of a dwarf one. Yeah. Doesn't get maybe a foot half tall, maybe two feet stretching it. But which is kind of nice because the standard one can get, what, three, four feet? I mean, it can yeah, get just really above knee big. Or so maybe. Yeah. Oh, yeah, with the plumes. Right. That flower that mm-hmm. looks like a red hot poker. Yeah. Uh, ends up almost hip high, yeah. So this one's really pretty. It's more of a, um, I want to call it chili pepper red color to it. So it doesn't have that, you know, usually the red Orange. hot poker has like three different colors or whatever. But this one really stands out because of that just big, bold chili pepper red color on it. So really cool. Gotta check that one out. We got some Sunrita Gallardia in. So Sunrita, another one that's really pretty because it's got a dark red center to it, but the tips are yellow. So just that variegated color in there really catches your eye. Sunrita. Yeah. I know I'm familiar with the Arizona series. There's right. a whole because it's really famous flower, wildflower mm-hmm. for here. Blanket flower. But this yeah. is uh red. It's- it's, it's, red, in, it's reversed. But the tips are yellow. Yeah, yeah. Usually it's 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 yellow with the red tips. Yeah. yeah. Neat. So, really cool. The other one of my favorites is um, the society garlic. And I, the one that we get is the it gets a variegated leaf to it, so it's kind of a white and green. 
I really like it in pots where you're trying to get some height, um, you know, because it gets wet. But maybe two feet, 18 yeah. inches, yeah, two 18 feet inches tall. or so, yeah. So with really pretty slender reeds that come up with little purple flowers on the end of it. So it's really cool to put into those containers to give you a little bit of height, but not heavy height yeah. on it. Very animal resistant. So a great one to put out there. Um, the other one that we got in is called Early Bird Gloriosa Daisy. Hmm. And Gloriosa. that's that other one that looks real... Um, like a sunflower, essentially, okay. but it's it doesn't get as big. It's not as leggy, not as long and leggy. So fits in those perennial beds and pots really nicely. Is that related to Maximum? What's the one perennial sunflower that we have come back? Maximus? Uh, or Max, Max? Yeah. Oh, you're on the lake for a for a week, <laughs> and you just botanical names just start leaving you. <laughs> <laughs> we have several sunflower series here, and some of them are perennial, and we don't know their names. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. But yeah, the Glorious Daisy is really yeah. pretty. It reminds you of that sunflower look, but it's not oh, yeah. going to get real long and leggy. Easier and aggressive. to maintain, animals yeah. a bit less disease resistant, much right. more wind resistant. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Definitely. Um, cat mint, which is a great perennial for here, the cat's meow, which is a good. 12 by 12, 12 by 18, just yep. a nice little mound one. Ball-shaped. Yeah. And that sucker, it's one of those perennials that really does bloom all season. It really just keeps on blooming. Very, very drought-hardy when it's established. And animal. I've never had an animal eat catmint. Rabbits, deer, javelina, antelope. I mean, it doesn't matter. <laughs> they are not going to. It's an herbal thing. So it's, yeah. you rub the foliage, it smells like a sage. Mm-hmm. It's got a very fragrant scent with a nice blue flower to it. Right. Notice butterflies, painted ladies were on ours. Mm-hmm. Bee, honey, honey bees are on them. They just, uh, it's, it's a, a great plant for the garden. Flower. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely a good one to put around your garden beds to bring in those pollinators. And then we got a lot of the beard tongues in, which is another who came up with that name. But they're in the Pinstamen. Oh, Pinstamen. Oh. Yeah. yeah. So this is the time of year that Pinstamens just really start looking absolutely gorgeous even the the native ones out in the fields you're starting to see them go off uh, but we got some in we got the one that's a magenta color and one that's a purple color really really pretty and then we got a dakota burgundy one in oh, and this neat. one's that's a little unusual. different the leaves are uh, real burgundy almost brown but pretty brown not ugly brown color but the <laughs> blossoms are um, white with a tinge of lavender oh neat really really pretty to get that contrast yeah. out there in the yard really nice they also have a dakota verde which guess what color its leaves are green green verde <laughs> yep chili pepper green yeah but the blossom is kind of that white with the purple on it it's just really really pretty you just you just don't see that that much. These are natives for mm-hmm. Pinstamen grows wild here, and yeah. they are a natural for hummingbirds. Mm. Animals don't like them, generally speaking. Generally. But the hummingbirds, butterflies, love them. I mean, they, yeah. they just, you're going to have more birds oh, if you've got Pinstamen in the definitely. yard. And we probably, I only mentioned a few, we've probably got five or six different varieties yeah. of Pinstamen and beard tongue out there. And we got some upright flocks, which is another one of my favorites Neat. because they get so nice and tall. They're good at the back of those perennial beds. Get two, two and a half feet tall. 
And the one that we have in is the Sweet Summer Fantasy. Yeah, sounds so good. It's kind Summer of fantasy. a pinkish color one, but they are gorgeous when they bloom. This is the month. June, we generally say, is perennial month mm-hmm. because you get to see the they're starting to grow in April and May, but they're not blooming. They start to bloom in June, July, and August and onward. And so this is a great time to be looking, buying, and planting perennial flowers or shrubs. Uh, but because you can see and touch and feel and smell them right mm-hmm. there. And all the ones you mentioned are rabbit proof. Yes. I think every single one of them. I think so. Uh, deer proof, all the others. So great choices to uh, add some color in your yard that comes back year after year. Mm-hmm. Lisa and Ken uh, Lane. The Mountain Gardeners (laughs) will be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Waters Garden Companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, purple verbena, crepe myrtle, and pentas. Pentas are a butterfly magnet with super sweet nectar produced in starry flowers on 12-inch stems. She loves heat and wind with minimal care to keep the flowers coming. The large clusters of vibrant star-shaped flowers are stunning in pots and raised beds. A superb flower that outperforms others as long as it's hot. You'll only find heat-hardy pentas at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. So this segment is for you folks that live up against the wildland interface, forests, uh, golf courses where you've got that green belt. I can't really say that. I mean, this is, I was thinking about rabbits. Uh, rabbits are coming out and eating a lot of different things, but rabbits show up everywhere. So at first, you'll have, they'll, they'll take the backhoe and just level the neighborhood, lay the pads, get the driveways, get the sewage, get the water in, then they'll build. And, and so everything leaves, all the snakes, all the garter snakes and lizards and rabbits and deer, they just, they run. But then once everything is built, they're going, hey, I remember home. I'm heading back home. They start coming into the neighborhoods again. So finally, even downtown Prescott, you've got herds of javelina, like 15 of them running across major streets and up neighborhoods, uprooting stuff. Rabbits just start to populate. They're everywhere. Deer seem to follow the 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 dry washes up into neighborhoods and pop up and then eat things and then pop back down and go back. Uh, so I thought I'd just go over some plants that are more kind of rabbit proof specifically, but that naturally carries over to things like deer. And maybe I can focus on Javel- Javelina or a whole nother breed. They seem to do their own thing, but there's a whole series of, of plants. And I'll cover a few vines, a few herbs, flowers, trees, and shrubs that are kind of 
bulletproof when it comes to animals. Why don't I start with the big ones, the trees, then I'll work my way down to the flowers. That seemed like a, 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 a format, I guess. So first and foremost, um, locusts. Anytime you hear locusts, you're going to have a great tree for, for the mountains of Arizona. They just naturalize. There's, there's wild varieties of locusts that grow here in the mountains, but then there's new hybrids that don't have the thorns or the bean pods. They've bred out uh, some of the negatives, and they've got this very beautiful tree. So golden honey locust is probably one of the most famous of all the locust family. But animals, they don't like this plant. So it's good to go. I find maples, uh, specifically your larger maples. I don't know about Japanese maples. They don't grow as well up here. But for sure, autumn blaze, uh, your sugar maples, acerebrums, your traditional red maples. These are all really strong growers up in the mountains of Arizona. And they'll take our wind and animals don't bother them. Um, birch. They don't bother birch, but they will aspens. So sometimes the porcupines, the deer will come in and strip the, the bark off of aspens, but not a birch. They seem to be more robust. But you still got a tree that's got that beautiful white bark. It's just there's a whole, they're just good to go. Also, your pine trees, your spruce, your junipers, these are plants that grow naturally in their native habitat. So they just learned, yeah, those are nasty. I'm not eating those. Show me where the apple trees are. Show me where the peaches are. I want to eat those. They start honing in on, on those. So those are the trees. I've got a list that uh, is available here at the Garden Center. Just ask for it. It's, it's for you. But maybe I mentioned three or four of each of these. Let's go to vines and ground covers. Now, vines, there you got honeysuckle. Boston ivy is probably the most robust, uh, fastest growing of the animal-proof kind of, of ground covers or, or clinging type of vines. It's related to Virginia creeper. They're actually from the same genus, same family, and Virginia creeper grows wild again. So it just grows up in the, in the hilltops, the Bradshaws. You'll just see Virginia creeper growing wild right out there. So animals have learned, don't bother that plant. You get a sore stomach. Every time you eat it, stay away. Periwinkle or vinca. Uh, uh, there's got several names, but periwinkle or vinca major, vinca minor. Uh, it's a natural, they, evergreen ground cover. It just looks good. Has a has a blue flower about the size of a quarter. It just does really well here. But animals do not bother that. Another one is wisteria and pyracantha. Those two, wisteria has those big blue flowers that come down. And then, of course, pyracantha is, is they've got the red or orange berries that grow on them. It's a pretty white flower. Now it's starting to form the berries. Evergreen, grows up walls, grows up fences, uh, has a little thorn on it. So you want to wear gloves and you prune it back. But it also makes a great privacy screen. Those are the vines that animals, they just are, they have no care. They do not focus on these whatsoever. They'll eat the other ones, but they won't bother these. Shrubs, let's go over those. Of course, the native ones that grow wild, you know, yuccas, um, junipers, uh, those are all native, you know, bear grass grows wild. They just, they know, don't bother this. One that you might not think of that looks delicious, but they absolutely won't bother it is Nandina, or Heavenly Bamboo. You folks from California, you know Heavenly Bamboo. It naturalizes really well. Evergreen, 
soft shrub. It's got a white flower in spring. Now it's forming its red berries. It is just a tremendous plant for here, and it just softens things up. It's, it's a great plant for here. Um, Catoniaster or cotton easters. It's an evergreen shrub. There's four or five varieties we have at the garden center, from, from ankle-high growers to big shrubs that block for privacy screens, everything in between. Butterfly bush is kind of the same way. We've got low-growing um, ground cover varieties to great big varieties that grow as big as your, your garden shed to hip-high, low-maintenance reds, blues, purples. You've got all kinds of colors to pick from, but they don't eat butterfly bush. Uh, lilac is on the list. Mahonia, or Oregon grape, you folks from the Northeast. There's also a variety of Mahonia that grows wild here. They don't grow those, or they don't eat those. Uh, Mugo pine is beautiful, ball-shaped pine tree. They are not going to bother those. So focus in on that. Ask for this list. If you've got some trouble, ask for the list. These are ones that naturalize, that don't have all that pressure from rabbits and deer and javelina coming after them. All of the herbs, except for maybe basil, even that's pretty much proven that animals don't like it. They don't like, animals don't like plants with strong herbal scents. Of course, that's all herbs. So from thyme and sage and rosemary and oregano and parsley and mint and lavender, dill, catnip, basil, they don't bother those. Perennial, perennial flowers. These are things you plant once, they come back year after year for you. There's a lot of them. Asters, mums, uh, bellflower, buttercups, candy tuft, uh, columbine. It grows wild here. Coneflower. Those of you from the Midwest know coneflowers. Daffodils, daphne, uh, dianthus. Oh, I can go on. Foxglove, gallardia, geraniums. There's all kinds of varieties here. I've had really good luck with heuchera or coral bells, lantana, lamb's ear. All of those are great choices, and animals are not going to bother those. They either have a bad taste, they've got a sap they don't like, a stickiness, an herb. These plants have got natural defenses that, that just keep them away and keep them off of themselves. It's a natural defense that plants have that go, I know rabbits are out there. I know they're going to bother me. So I'm going to change my molecular structure. I'm going to have this nasty oozing sap that comes up. So when they get it, they get this white you know, like euphorbia has this white, milky sap to it. Uh, animals, no, that's not so good. I don't want that. I get a sore tummy every time I get that. Or they'll have a hairy uh, a fuzz or a texture to the foliage like lamb's ear. Or galardia. You look closely at the stems. It's got a little hair up and down the stems. When they start to be eaten, these hairs get stuck in their throat. Now all of a sudden, I'm feeling kind of... <coughs> kind of dry. I don't think I want to eat that anymore. I'll, I'll, brew, I'll go over here and eat the neighbor's lettuce. Way better. So vegetables, if you like to eat it, probably the animals are going to like to eat it too. It's tasty. Let's take, let's face it. Most of your fruit trees, they're going to like those. You'll need to protect them somehow. So there's repellents we have here at the garden center. Bird netting to keep the birds off. It also keeps some other animals off. Like I've wrapped the bark of aspens and walnuts with uh, with bird netting to keep the deer and elk off of my trees. It worked really, really well. So I had it free-floating there. So there's some tricks. And that's not what this segment's about. This is about giving you the idea, the permission that if you do have animals, you can have a garden. You can have beauty and live with 
the neighbor that's feeding the javelina over there, which they should not be doing. You're training a gnat. Anyway, I won't get on my soapbox. Don't have time. But you shouldn't do that. It's not right for them or your neighbors or anyone else. Uh, but there's some tricks you can use to keep the animals away. And you start by having the right plants in the right place. Be right back. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott, 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters Garden companion plants for July are hibiscus, maple, verbena, and crepe myrtle. Crepe myrtle flowers are intense watermelon pink, solar reds, and LED whites that cover this heat-loving shrub. Plant where you enjoy its beautiful multicolored bark and sinuous branches up close. The flowers show against forest green foliage that turns red and orange in autumn. Growing to just head height, every yard has room for at least one, and only available for summer planting here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. Okay, during that break, I got to thinking, oh, I, I promised you a, a list. I've got a, a handout, two-page handout. It's just with a list of plants that are rabbit and deer proof. I also have a list of javelina. We don't say proof. We say resistive generally speaking, animals don't like to eat these plants. If they're desperate, they'll do almost anything. When it's really dry and they're native stuff, they'd much rather eat and dine off of. When they're really desperate, they'll start eating off of almost anything. But generally speaking, this is the list that we've found are in neighborhoods that have heavy pressure from deer and rabbits. We have another list for javelina. Ask for it. They're free. We love to hand them out. We try to, to mention in our signage as you walk through, we tell you which ones are rabbit-proof or resistive, javelina-resistive, deer-resistive, which ones are pollinators, bird. We're trying to give you instructions on what this plant is good for. We're trying to be helpful on a local level. These aren't national signs or national lists. These are the mountains of Arizona for us right here. They're for our animals and our sun and our wind and our waters for us. They guard, they're for our backyards and these are for our animals. This is what works well. So that's we try to make our signage do the exact same thing. So if you check Google, you'll get all kinds of crazy stuff. You never know what to believe. You read the national tag. That's nationally, which most folks don't live in Arizona. Most folks that buy a mugo pine, quite honestly, they live in the Midwest to the Mountain West to the to the northwest they're they're way north of us where they just don't they get more moisture it's not as hot it's not as windy it's just it's a different growing environment it grows more naturally they're here things are a little smaller so we try to put the right size on that sign here's what it's really yeah the tag says it'll grow six feet tall you'll never find one that in, in a neighborhood anywhere around here they only seem to grow four feet tall 
And so there, that's the dryness or the, the alkalinity of the water. Our environment is affecting the size of those plants or the animals that are, take interest in them, where they had grow sun or shade. So we try to make that signage. I don't know why I got off on the signage thing, but I'm just thinking local helpful sources. Who are people that know? So there you check with your neighbors that obviously know how to garden. Go knock on the door. They love giving out garden tours. They'll sit there and have a soda with you. They'll, they'll pour you a glass of tea. They might even watch a sunset with you, share their gardens and what when they planted them and how which ones do best. They're gardeners. It's their passion. And they love sharing their passion with folks that take interest in them. Or you find a garden center that actually knows their stuff, the plant people that their livelihood is made by making sure they put the right plant in the person's hand so when they plant it, they've got success. And if they really care about what they're doing, they're passionate about that, they'll help you get it right. They'll create signage and tags and help you to make sure you know how to plant that. We happen to come up with a, a rabbit and deer list and a javelina list for our for so many customers that are affected by this. I'm, I'm almost going to have to create a list for ant, antelope. I mean, we're building out in the valley areas where antelope herds are naturally roam wild. So we'll need, we're getting more pressure, more questions. I, I think you're going to act very much like deer, but I need to go through the neighborhoods and actually take a pen and paper and take notes and go, oh, look, that's growing there. Oh, that's perfect. That'll look also, that we'll add that to the list. You go through the neighborhoods and you see which plants are thriving, which ones have been eaten, and you just quickly have a proof statement of which ones do well and which ones don't. Every Saturday, we have a garden class at 930, and we go over many of these lists. So we, we want to share that knowledge we have of, of local gardens with you. And so we have different teachers come in each week. And so this Saturday, it's the best mountain fruit trees and how to grow them. Next week, it's it's July 4th. We're taking a break. We're no class, but we're open. Then it's how to grow better berries and grapes, avoiding pests at all costs, privacy screens and barriers. Look at that at watersgardencenter.com for your private list of what grows well and what doesn't. And the class schedule throughout the rest of the summer. That's it. Ken and Lisa Lane, we camp out here at Waters Garden Center throughout the week, and we love talking to fans of the show. Wondering why the grass is always greener on the other side? Well, it's probably because your neighbor used the all-purpose fertilizer from Waters Garden Center. Monsoon is right around the corner, and it's the perfect time to feed your plants. Waters All-Purpose Fertilizer is the only organic made especially for Arizona mountain soils. Don't buy a bunch of different fertilizer for your flowers, veggies, trees, or grass. This one does it all. The plants on your side will be happier, healthier, well, greener. Safe, natural, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.